Good morning. All right. You got it. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Well, a little frazzled by that, but uh, we'll get going. Today, uh, we are going to be in Colossians. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. So if you can open your Bibles to Colossians 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, someone can get one to you. Uh, I really enjoy Colossians as a letter and as what happened in the past. Uh, Colossians was written to the church in Colossae. But it was a church that Paul never, or that we know of, didn't visit before then. Uh, Paul had spent three years in Ephesus, and he was basically preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel. And it was uh, Epaphras uh, that became to believe, and he took the gospel back to his hometown, Colossae. And it was the gospel message that raised up a new church in Colossae. And then 10 miles uh, north and 10 miles south, other churches came to fruit. And what I like about it is you can see the gospel having its power, having its multiplying effect uh, throughout uh, the land, which is now current day Turkey. Um, so... Today we're in Colossians 1, 24 through 29, and I'd like to read it for us and then pray. Um, God's word says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we, we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this time, for this time to gather together around your word, a time to corporately seek you and to hear from you. And I pray for this time that you would speak in and through your word, that you would give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning, and that you would stir our hearts um, towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. How, my question for you is, how quick would your reaction be to save someone in danger. Um, there was a good analogy or illustration this past week. Uh, in Budapest, Hungary, the World Aquatics Championship was taking place. 
and a two-time Olympian, U.S. Olympian, uh, Anita Alvarez, was doing her artistic swimming routine underwater. And towards the very end, she had a arm maneuver that she had to do, and she did it with all her might, but then she realized something bad, something was not right. And she, while she was underwater, she fainted. And because it's the world championships, there's cameras filming her underwater, and you can see her just fainted underwater, just completely helpless. And it was her coach, the U.S. coach, uh, Andrea Putinez, uh, who noticed that something was wrong and immediately jumped in, fully clothed, and started swimming towards this helpless, fainted swimmer underwater. And again, you can see the image of her struggling with all her might to try to get to Anita. And then she got to her, and then she pulled her up and uh, saved Anita. Anita's in good health today and saved her. But I thought this was a good analogy of, of how of what Paul is talking about, of his struggle, of his trying to get to people to save him, to save them. And I think in with situations like that, I think we would all be ready and willing to jump in and to try to get down there and, and save them. But when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to areas of eternity, when it comes to the gospel and salvation, I think there's a certain aimlessness, a certain passivity, a certain timidness in us. And I think in the verses we're looking at today, uh, Paul shows two intertwining themes. The first one is that Christ is in us. There is an acceptance, uh, just an excitement of the gospel. And then the second is that we proclaim it. It's kind of like a science class volcano. The lava is the gospel and it just builds up in our lives and so that it's what we proclaim. And I think this is what was happening in Ephesus, which the gospel overflowed into Colossae, which overflowed into two other cities. It's this Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim. So let's look at Colossians 1.24, kind of go through the verses. Uh, Colossians 1.24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. This first verse can be a bit puzzling as you ask the questions, how is Paul filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Or what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? And I think there has been, in the history of the church, some people who have wrongly thought that that Christ's death on the cross was not satisfactory, was not sufficient for salvation. 
And if you look at the verses before and after, which we will, I think it's clear from the verses and the text that is not Paul's message at all. Um, If we look at just above uh, Colossians 1, 13 through 14, Paul is writing right before he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The transfer has happened. It is complete. It is sufficient. It is. It has happened. And then if you look a little ahead in Colossians 2, uh, 13 through 15, he repeats it again just to make sure. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. One theme of the gospel in Colossians is the victory that we have in Christ. The, the complete victory that he won for us on the cross. So when we think back to verse uh, 24, it is not because Christ is lacking in anything of salvation, of accomplishing salvation. He accomplished salvation. But it brings us back, what is, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? And there seems to be two main principles, and it goes along with kind of the two main themes of these verses. Uh, the first principle is that when you suffer, Christ suffers. Um, I think for Paul, especially, he could relate to this. Uh, as you remember, on the road to Damascus, when he was going to persecute the believers in the churches, uh, in Acts 9, 4 through 5, we read that Paul heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus said, that point was the risen Savior, but Paul was persecuting his people, and Jesus was being persecuted. Um, Jesus was indwelling the believers, and Jesus was the one being persecuted. And as you think of these verses now, Paul is in a Roman prison trying to get salvation spread to the world, and he is being persecuted. He is on the other side of the Damascus Road. At one point, he was persecuting the believers. Now, he is being persecuted, and he can relate. He can find the comfort in knowing that Jesus is with me and is suffering with me. And this is why he rejoices. There is also an interesting, uh, 
idea in in scripture that um, that there's a certain amount of persecution that is will still happen to the believers. There's still an amount of suffering that will happen to the believers. We read this in Paul's commission in Acts nine fifteen through sixteen. When the Lord told Ananias, "Go, for he Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name." Before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So this was particular to Paul. But I think Revelation shows that it's not just Paul who has this quota. But other other believers have the quota. In Revelation 6.11, John writes, Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. There seems to be an amount of afflictions and sufferings that will happen to the body of Christ and thereby Christ. But I think in this principle, in this truth, there is great comfort in knowing that when, when we suffer for the spread of the gospel, Christ is with us. Christ is in those moments. And Christ is asking us to rejoice with him. Rejoice that the gospel is going forth. And that's the second, that's the second principle and kind of the second oomph of this passage. Uh, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions the proclamation of the gospel is lacking. And I think you can see this most clearly when you compare Colossians 1.24 with Philippians 2.30. So Colossians 1.24 says, In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. In Philippians 2.30, this is again Paul writing, He's talking about a different scenario, but risking his life. This was Epaphratitis, his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The filling up and complete is the same word, Greek word. And then what what is lacking is the same Greek word. So here we have an idea of what Paul is talking about he uses the same words in the same structure but in in philippians well we can see it in philippians 2:25 better philippians 2:25 paul writes i thought it was necessary to send to you ephrodius my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need so the same question could be asked, how did Ephraphidius complete what was lacking in the Philippians church's service to Paul? He completed it by delivering it. The Philippian church had uh, these gifts, had this encouragement, and it wasn't completed until the encouragement got to Paul. Like if, if someone had the, the money you needed, 
but you, it doesn't help you until it's actually delivered to you. And I think in, this, in the same way, Christ's afflictions are fully sufficient for salvation, but what is lacking is delivery. What is lacking is the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, two commentators said, uh, Joseph Townsend said, Christ's cross was for propitiation. Ours is for propagation. John Piper said, that is, Christ suffered to accomplish salvation. We suffer to spread salvation. And our willingness to endure hardship for the good of others is a filling up of Christ's affliction because it extends them to others. That is why in our in verse 24, Paul writes twice, um, for your sake or for the sake of his body, the church. He is suffering to extend Christ's affliction, to extend the message of salvation. Um, and he's in a Roman jail because of it. It, it reminds me of uh, a lawyer, Brian Stevenson, who has worked many cases to try to save prisoners from an unjust death penalty. Uh, he wrote a book called Just Mercy, and there was a movie, Just Mercy, but there was a man accused of, falsely accused uh, of the death penalty, and it was Brian's job to find the evidence, to get the evidence and explain the evidence so that this man can go free. And in the same way, we have the message of salvation, and it is our job to communicate it, to proclaim it uh, to, to the dying world. And uh, I think here <laughs> the application the application is a little difficult because you see the two themes. You see this um, Christ is with you, Christ is suffering with you, Christ is working in and through you. And it's your thankfulness for the gospel that produces this proclamation. And so as you think of uh, people at, at work or in your area of influence or at school who, who are lost, who, who do not have the message of salvation, it, what is lacking is the proclamation of the gospel. It is getting it to them. Um, and I think... I think one of the reasons why we can not proclaim the gospel to people can be uh, fear. It can be fear. We can be timid or we can be passive. Uh, Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 11 through 12 said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The message of salvation 
the proclamation of salvation, the gospel, is lacking. And we need, we need to get it to people. Which bring, but not only is it lacking, uh, I believe the time is now. If we look at verses 25 through 27, uh, they read, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of the main reasons that Paul was writing this this letter to the Colossians was because false teachers had started to come in and started to... uh, bring in Gnosticism or kind of Judaizers were bringing in more rituals and more ceremonies. And Paul and Paul wanted to Paul wanted to make sure that they were still focused on the gospel. That that gospel overflow that multiplied from Ephesus to Colossae to the two others stay stay with the gospel. And so Paul is saying that I, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And we read it in Acts 9.15 when the Lord told Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This is what he addresses in uh, the beginning of 125. And Paul is, Paul is saying, I, I want to draw your attention, especially to the phrase in 25, to make the word of God fully known. He's, here he's trying to say that he was commissioned by God, he was given the stewardship by God to make the gospel fully known. But the gospel is the whole thing, <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle. The, the Gnosticism was coming in and saying, no, okay, gospel is like an entry level, it's like your first course, but there's many upper level courses that you need to take to become a uh, a true believer or great in the faith. And Paul is saying, no, I preached the gospel in Ephesus. The gospel went to Colossae and these other places. And the gospel is you have the full knowledge. I I am making it fully known to you. You don't need ceremonies. You don't need uh, an extra level. The gospel is the main thing. And then, he, and then he goes into talking about the mystery. And he uses this not as, again, the Gnostic claim of a secret and higher knowledge, but the mystery uh, is, is the gospel. It is 
Christ in you. It is what has happened on the cross. Uh, Colossians, these verses are actually almost echoed in in Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. Where Paul wrote to Ephesians, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's saying he has this stewardship, and now the church is. Now we have the stewardship to take the gospel uh, to everyone. And in verse in Colossians, verse 127, he says, How great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How great are the gosp- are the riches of the glory of the gospel. Our sin made us exiles, leaving us with no peace and no hope. But Christ, in our place, died on the cross and raised to new life so that we are the people of God. We are reconciled to God. We are the children of God. Our sin justly deserves God's wrath and God's curse. But Jesus, for us, in our place, died on the cross, took, took our curse, took our wrath, so that we could be right, we can be with God. Our sin caused us to be slaves to sin. We were slaves, we were in bondage. But Jesus Christ, in our place, died on the cross so that we could be free free from the power of sin and free to serve Christ. Our sin caused us great shame, caused us to feel dirty and ugly. But Jesus Christ, in our place, took our shame, took our dirtiness and paid for it so that we can be clean, we can be right, we can be alive in Christ. We are reconciled, we are paid for, and we are free. And Christ is with us. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. We now have hope because Christ is in us. All the barriers are broken down. Paul is saying all the barriers are gone. Christ has sufficiently done it all. And now is the time to let this gospel go forth from our hearts and from our mouths. The, the riches of the gospel uh, reminds me of like 
if you were in a professional sport, say your favorite professional sport, and you got a huge contract, the biggest contract you can think of, and you're playing on your favorite team, in your favorite position, and now is the time to play, the game has started, and you just say, nah, I'm just going to sit on the bench. I'm just going to sit this one out. It would kind of feel like that now, verse 126, now revealed to the saints. The gospel is now revealed to the saints. Now's the time to play the game. Now's the time to proclaim salvation. But I I think it's important to notice the order and uh, the two interweaving things. First, it's this gospel gratitude and joy that builds up in our hearts. And then it comes flowing out to everyone. For the application, many of us need to think more on how great are the riches of the glory of the gospel. Can you list off the riches of the glory of the gospel? What Jesus did in your place to bring you from where you were to where you are. Is this your heartbeat? Is this is what is driving you? And that brings us to our final two verses. Uh, verse Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may, may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. The transition between 27 and 28 is the main, the main message that Paul is trying to get across. Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim. And But he's also giving us focus. Him we proclaim. He wants, the false teachers are coming in with additional ceremonies, with additional teachings, with a more higher knowledge. And Paul is saying, we need to get back to the gospel. We need to be focused on the gospel. Him we proclaim. And then, him we proclaim to who? Warning everyone. You get three everyones. Warning everyone. Teaching everyone. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. This, this gospel is to go to everyone. But this gospel is sufficient and we should stay, we should stay focused on the gospel. You can hear the focus... Um, Clearly, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-two, where Paul said, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ, who He is, and Christ crucified, why He died on the cross. And this is exactly what you get in Colossians. Paul pours out, Wonderful explanations of who Christ is and why he died on the cross. 
the gospel. So we are to proclaim him. We are to proclaim the gospel. And then the second part of 28 says, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. There's, I think the emphasis here is with all wisdom. Um, many of us have probably heard a cringeworthy gospel explanation where you're explaining the gospel, but you're doing it in a way that is not connecting, is you can, you can explain the gospel angrily. You can actually explain the gospel hurtfully. You can, you can explain the gospel so it just goes right over their heads. And I think what Paul is saying is be focused on the gospel and explain it with all wisdom. Some people need admonishing and warning. They need to know that the path that they're on is not going the right way. Some people need teaching. Some people don't know. There's a growing, growing majority of people in America that are, have grown up outside the church that just don't know. They need teaching. They need to know what the gospel is. And so Paul is asking us to proclaim Christ wisely. And, and Paul wants it to go out to everyone. And I think Romans 1.16 kind of sums up Paul's like riling motivation. In Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul has seen the gospel spread from Ephesus to Colossae to two other cities and he, he knows the power in the gospel, the comfort in the gospel and he wants it to keep going. It, it's also, the gospel is, is, he wants everyone to be involved. He wants inclusiv- inclusivity. Sorry. Uh, he doesn't want to be cultish. He doesn't want to be exclusive. He wants everybody to come in. And then if you look down at our last verse this morning, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Again, you see the two te- the two themes. You see the theme of proclaiming Christ but you also see the theme of being indwelt by Christ. And they're working, working together in this last verse. Paul is toiling. He's struggling. He's trying to spread the message of salvation. He's trying to spread the gospel to the nations. And yet it is in Christ. It is Christ who is working through him, who is giving him the energy and the excitement to do it. And... This, we should stay focused on the gospel and dependent on Christ. This, this staying focused remind, or had an example of, of Kiko. Kiko was an online calendar app. 
uh, for business professionals and event organizers. And it was started in 2003, and it had many employees, and it got many investments. And it was actually a good app. It was one of, the, it was one of its kind and could help you organize very well. But the CEOs and the leaders and the people working for Kiko started going off on various projects. They started uh, losing focus of their main uh, product. And in 2008, it ended up going bankrupt and it ended up being finished and is no longer available uh, to us. But I think, I think in the same way, when we lose track of the gospel, when we go into um, too far into other areas and not stay focused on the gospel, we can we lose the power of the gospel, the multiplying effect of the gospel. And I think that that is applied best in our in our conversations, in our conversations with the lost and with people that that don't know. Let us proclaim the gospel wisely. Let us hear what where they are. Are they confused? Are they hopeless? Are the people in your area of influence need teaching? Do they need admonishing? Let us do it lovingly and let us get the message of salvation out. The gospel of Christ is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and rose in victory, reconciling us to God and the spirit of Christ is now in us. We were exiles with no hope, deserving God's curse and wrath in slavery to sin. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are free. Our debt is paid. We are reconciled as sons and daughters of God. So let us go out in comfort and in purpose that Christ is with us. Christ is in us. Christ is encouraging us to proclaim the message of salvation. And let us proclaim the message of salvation. Let it do it, let's do it wisely, lovingly, and get it to everyone. Getting, presenting people mature in Christ, mature in the gospel. My initial question to you all was, how quick would your reaction be to try to save someone in danger? In the instance of the artistic swimmer who fainted underwater, the U.S. coach said she jumped in because the lifeguards weren't doing it. She, she said it felt like a whole hour. I said things weren't right. I, she said I was shouting at the lifeguards to get into the water, but they didn't catch what I said and they didn't understand. And I think using the analogy, sometimes we as believers look too much or depend too much on other people to do the spread of the gospel, to do the work when it should be us. And the U.S. coach finally said she wasn't breathing. I went as quickly as I could. 
as if it were the Olympic final. And you could see her just swimming as fast as she could to try to save Anita, and she did. And so in our verses this morning, Paul is encouraging us that Christ is with us. Christ saved us, and the riches of the gospel are great, and we need to go and proclaim them to people in our areas of influence, to everyone. It is, it is good news, and people need it. To end, uh, I would like to show you a video clip of my friend Marat uh, from Turkey. We got in a unique rhythm of sharing testimonies via video to to our churches. And so me and Marat went to a cafe and we filmed this together. Uh, a, a little background about Marat. When he was 20, he got in a serious car accident, a bus accident. I think he was in a bus and it got hit and he flew through the window and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And um, And Marat lived many years paralyzed until he came to know the gospel. And I I didn't know it at the time we were filming the testimony, but I think Marat is a living example of what Paul was trying to encourage us all to do. That he, the gospel took hold in his heart, the gospel filled him up, and now it's overflowing to whoever is in his area of influence. Go ahead. Let me pray for us. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the mighty work of salvation that you did on the cross. While we were while we were in shame, while we were dirty while we were exiled. You died in our place. You took our punishment. You reconciled to us, us to you. 
and you gave us your Holy Spirit in our hearts as our hope, our hope of glory. I thank you for Marat. I thank you that for his understanding of the gospel and that it, it's overflowing into the proclaiming of you, into the wisely sharing of what you've done for him. And I pray for all of us here that we would be able to dwell on the riches of the glory of the gospel and that it would overflow, that it would be proclaimed in our conversations with our friends, neighbors, work, co-workers, everyone that you have put across our path and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jacob. Let's all stand, church. This next song is a song that we sing often. And there's one little part in verse 3 where it says that he's sending us out a light in a broken land or in this broken land. And the bridge is we will overcome.